0: theories
1: of the third kind
0: strange news welcome to theories of the third kind my name is Aaron the other host joining me today is Danielson hello Now, before we start today's episode, we do have a quick announcement to make. If you would like to
1: support the show, you can do so by joining our Patreon. For just $5 a month, enjoy weekly Patreon exclusive episodes and access our extensive back catalog of over 185 Patreon episodes that are all ad free. You can now sign up to our Patreon
0: via Spotify by going to our podcast on the Spotify app and clicking on the banner that says Exclusive Episodes. For subscribers.
1: Now, I know things are tough out there right now. So if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify. That helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. Also, remember our content is entirely human made. No AI, I repeat, no AI was involved or harmed in the process.
0: Also, go check
1: out our merchandise
0: at theoriesofthethirdkind.com and click on the shop button. And there you will see t-shirts and they ship in three to five business days. Yeah. So you will get them in time for Christmas. And that is the end of the announcements. All right. So today's episode is strange news. Now, if you've never listened to one of our strange news episodes, which majority of them are listed on our Patreon, it's pretty much an episode where we select certain news topics to cover that have happened all over the world. And for this week's strange news topics, we are going to talk about a shadowy army unit that has spied on citizens. Surprise, surprise.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We are also going to talk about a high energy particle that was detected falling to earth and nobody knows where the hell it came from. We're also going to discuss a headless, armless torso that was found that police said, hey, no foul play. And what other topics are we going to talk about, Dan?
1: One of the strange news articles that we have is about a pond in Hawaii that has done some weird things. Okay. Then another one is about a murder that happened. But the reasoning for the murder is very interesting. And then the last one is about a funeral home in Colorado. Very disturbing. Also, we do have an update
0: to the MH370 Orbs episode. It's a very interesting update that we are going to talk about at the end of the show today. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. And that is how today's episode will go. So with that being said, who's going to start it off? Me or you? Doesn't matter to me. Do we have the dice inside here that we could roll? No. All right. Well, I got the dice thing on my phone. Best two out of three. Odds or evens? Odds. Odds. Okay, here we go. First roll is odds. Ooh. 19. Second roll. Odds. Three. You're up, Dan. You're going to start it off. What strange
1: news article do you have for us today? All right. So the first strange article that I found is about a pond in Maui, Hawaii. So this started back in October.
0: During the fires? Oh, this is after the fires, right? After the fires.
1: The staff at the Kalia Pond National Wildlife Refuge in Maui have been monitoring a strange phenomenon that occurred that has turned the water bubblegum pink.
0: Like the color bubblegum pink or actual bubblegum? The color bubblegum pink.
1: Okay. Okay. Scientists say that drought may be to blame for this strange hue of coloring that, you know, is occurring at the pond and warn against anyone trying to enter the water or even try to drink the water so they figure out exactly what is going on. So, like I said, it started back in October when Brett Wolf, the refuge manager, stated, and I quote, I just got a report from somebody that was walking on the beach and they called me and they were just like, Hey, there's something weird going on with the water over here. Of course, he's just like, well, shit, gotta go check it out. And the first thing that came to mind when he saw this bubblegum pink colored water was that this could be a concern with with the algae blooming. Mm -hmm. So they decided to run some lab tests and discovered that toxic algae was not causing the weird bubblegum pink color. The test showed that it was an organism called the halobacteria that was more than likely the culprit for the weird change. Now, halobacteria is a type of single-celled organism that thrives in bodies of water with high levels of salts meaning the salinity inside Kellya Pond is currently greater than 70 parts per thousand, which is twice the salinity of actual seawater. I wonder if you can float on it. I don't think anybody's tried since it's uh, bubblegum pink. Okay, yeah. I mean, they're warning sense. people to stay out of it. Now, at the time, you know, uh, Brett Wolf stated that they needed more time to DNA test the organism to identify it because they narrowed it down into the, the group. So, like I said earlier scientists stated that it was due to the drought that was causing this, which is partially correct. It's like a combination of drought and this bacteria, this organism. Since the drought is going on, one of the streams that feeds into this pond would actually raise the water levels, and then in turn, this pond would flow out into this outlet area, which is, you know, currently the pink water. That fresh water would flow into there, lowering the salinity of the outlet, and then pretty much pushing out the rest of it out to sea. Think of it like a running cycle. When the drought happened, no rain, water wasn't pushing anything along, this outlet pond, the salt levels just increased dramatically. Now, Wolf believes that is why, you know, the water never really turns pink is because the fresh flow of the water keeps the salinity down and balances it all out. But with the drought occurring, that natural process was not happening. The only thing that confused Wolf and the other refuge workers is that in over 70 years, no one has ever seen the water turn pink. They've gone through droughts. The salt levels increased, you know, dramatically. But not once in over 70 years did the water turn pink. Hmm. So that's confusing the hell out of them. So as of today, they are still trying to run tests to figure out what type of, I guess, organism it is that is turning the water pink. But they still state that the water doesn't seem to be harmful because birds are still going there, drinking the water, I guess, catching fish out of it. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't seem to hurt them. Okay. But they're just like, but for humans, don't swim in it. Don't catch any fish and eat anything from it till we actually figure out what the hell is going on.
0: That's similar to what's happening in ponds up north. Well, not ponds, but lakes up north in Maine. It gets really hot and they have the algae blooms and the entire lake turns super green. They're like, oh, don't swim in it.
1: Does that happen at North Pond? Yeah, all the time. I know they're very strict about uh, bringing boats from other bodies of water into it, so you don't introduce, like, any other... Yeah, the zebra mussels. Yeah. Mm. But,
0: yeah, I have a picture of the water right there. and We'll provide that on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You just go there and click on today's episode, and you will be able to see this pink bubblegum-looking water. That looks more like blood
1: water. At least to me, it is. I mean, kind of. But I did find an article about water being pink, and I didn't know this. But there's a chemical that they use in some areas to clean your water that run to your house. Like here, they use chlorine. Mm-hmm. But there's potassium permanganate. I think pomegranate. I said it. <laughs> it, it looked like pomegranate, but it's permanganate or something. I just butchered that word. Okay. So they use that. Yeah, they use that. It's small little granules, and it is added to treat the water and It actually turns your water pink. So some people got surprised when they started using that type when they turned their water on and the water came out pink.
0: Man, everything is just happening to Maui, isn't it? Yep. You got the fires. Now you got pink water. What's next? I don't know. People think it's all like a theme for a Barbie. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I appreciate that first article you had for us, Dan. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it's weird. If you or a loved one have a lake or a pond that has pink
1: water in it, send us an email. Yeah, send us an email and a picture of it. Yeah. Are you using chemicals in there? Are you using that potassium pomegranate? <laughs> so I guess it's my turn.
0: It is your turn. So the first strange news topic that I'm going to talk about is a shadowy army unit that supposedly, well not supposedly, now it's a fact, they spied on individuals. So earlier this year, the British newspaper, The Daily Mail, they ended up publishing an article making some bizarre claims. Now, before we go into this article, I need to tell you a little bit about the 77th Brigade of the British Army, since it plays a major role in this entire thing, okay? So the 77th Brigade is a hybrid unit of regulars and reserves with specialist skills, to combat new forms of warfare in the information environment for the defense of the UK and its overseas territories. So basically, they monitor online information that's being posted for what they say is defense purposes. So technically, they're the true keyboard warriors.
1: They are the keyboard (laughs) warriors,
0: yes. All right. So now that you know what this 77th Brigade is, let's get back to discussing the strange news article. So like I previously stated, the Daily Mail published an article earlier this year. In this article, it stated that military operatives in the United Kingdom's Informational Warfare Brigade, aka the 77th Brigade that we just talked about, they are part of a sinister scheme to keep a close eye on politicians and high-profile journalists Who raised doubts about the government's response to the pandemic? So it was stated in this article that this brigade compiled information on public figures such as the ex-minister David Davis because all he did was question the modeling behind alarming death toll predictions. So when the Daily Mail released this article making these claims, Ben Wallace. Who was the defense secretary at the time? He was questioned, like, hey, why is the 77th Brigade monitoring people? You know, shouldn't they be monitoring individuals overseas, not your own citizens? Ben Wallace responded with This 77th unit has recently unearthed information on extremist alliances based outside the United Kingdom. Its role is not to monitor. Or counter public opinion. End quote. So following that, everyone sort of forgot about the claims that the Daily Mail made. However, a civil liberties group named Big Brother Watch, they ended up filing a Freedom of Information Act to see if the government had any of these documents that prove that they are doing this. After a few months, they were able to obtain official government documents that contradicted the official statements that Ben Wallace made. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. That contradicted the official statements that Ben Wallace made, that the 77th Brigade Unit had been only monitoring foreign powers. Instead, what was discovered is that these soldiers did indeed secretly spy on the public and they actually produced reports on those individuals who even questioned government's decision-making and they made notes about all of these individuals. Also, it was discovered that the soldiers filed newspaper articles and even tweets made by politicians of an international ventilator scheme in March of 2020 under the label Disinformation, which could have a negative effect on the United Kingdom's reputation. So, after this Big Brother Watch got these official documents that proved this, they sent them to the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail then published a follow up article to their first one. And in this article, there is a quote from the director of Big Brother Watch, Silky Carlo. Silky was quoted saying, the government claims that the Information Warfare Unit's secretive work was focused solely on overseas threats, which are now, ironically, clearly disinformation acting as a cover-up for their own political surveillance. Get this, shortly after that news article was released, a government spokesperson said, and we quote, online information is a serious threat to the United Kingdom which is why during the pandemic, we brought together expertise from across the government to monitor disinformation about COVID. These units used publicly available data, including materials shared on social media platforms, to assess the UK's disinformation trends and narratives. They did not target individuals or take any action that could impact anyone's ability to discuss and debate Issues freely. End quote. So yeah, they pretty much said, hey, we did spy on everyone, but you know, they, they lied about it at the beginning until they were caught with their pants down and they had to admit that they did. But pretty much say that it's not as bad as it sounds. Now there is one thing that I want to say is that the Daily Mail had a quote at the very bottom of that article, and I think it sums up this entire situation perfectly. And I quote, free press and free speech are the foundations of any democracy, yet journalists and politicians appear to be treated like the enemy within, end quote. Sums it up perfectly. So that was my article. Let's get on to the next one, Dan. What do you have for us?
1: All right. So this next strange article that we have is actually an update on one that we previously did which is about the Oklahoma man named Larry Sanders who ended up killing his fishing partner because he thought that his fishing partner, Jimmy Knighton, would summon Bigfoot to come and pretty much eat him, assassinate him. Yeah, I remember that. On July 9th of 2022, Larry Sanders and his buddy Jimmy Knighton decided to go out fishing, a.k.a. they went noodling. Which noodling is? Pretty much fishing with your hands. Yeah, you stick your hand in holes in the river and the big old catfish
0: bites onto it. And then you grab onto the catfish and pull it out of the hole. It's crazy. I'd never do
1: that. I'd be afraid of snakes and turtles. They end up going fishing, noodling. And the next thing you know, Larry ends up going to a relative's house and pretty much confessing that he, you know, he committed murder. But it seemed like he was on something. Yeah. Well, the relative ended up calling the cops. Come to find out that Larry had some warrants out. He ended up getting arrested. And as he was, you know in police custody, he ended up rambling on and pretty much confessing that he murdered somebody and that he was like in bigfoot territory. <laughs>
0: You're in bigfoot territory."
1: And they're of course, just like, "Oh man, this guy's on something. Like, what the hell's going on?" Yeah. Well, come to find out, once I guess he was coherent enough to put sentences together better, they found out that he said that he murdered his buddy, Jimmy Knighton, because Jimmy decided the reason for them actually going out there was for him to sacrifice Larry to Bigfoot. He was going to feed him to Bigfoot. Oh my God. So Larry and Jimmy ended up getting into a scuffle. They fought for about an hour, pretty much beating the shit out of each other. And then Larry ends up, I believe they said that he strangled him, and they think that he, uh, Jimmy was drowned as well. So pretty much mm-hmm. probably strangled underwater. Oh, God. Well, he ended up confessing to that, and then... Larry ended up telling him where the body was, that he moved the body to the side of the road and hid it underneath some stuff. He ended up drawing a map and giving it to the police. Since it was too late that night of July 9th, they ended up finding Jimmy's body the next day, Sunday. And Larry was arrested and charged with first degree murder. And he's been sitting in prison ever since then. Mm-hmm. And I saw a recent update in August that, for one, Larry has been pretty much a pain in the ass for everyone, it seems.
0: I heard he was trying to touch everyone's dick in prison, but that was just rumors.
1: I mean, it could have been for Bigfoot's sake now, I guess. Throwing shade on his name. But uh, he's trying to file a motion for that he was mentally ill or insane during the murder. He even filed a motion for a speedy trial because Sander believes that the state violated his right to such, since the state had a lack of diligence and an Utter disregard for due process of law and the liberty of interest of citizens. So, pretty much, he wanted to say that he was mentally ill or he was insane during the attack, but they've been dragging out the trial date, which come to find out, they've been, uh, I guess, talking to the relative and they're trying to collect more evidence against him.
0: Oh, the prosecutors? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant they as in like his attorneys, Larry's attorneys.
1: No, they're trying to go with the uh, insanity plea, I guess. Oh, okay. Which it seems like the judge just doesn't care for it because he filed all these other motions, pretty much causing a bunch of shit. And they're just like, you're competent enough to file all these motions yourself.
0: Oh, he didn't get his attorney to file them? Doesn't seem like it.
1: So they're just like, you know, obviously you're competent. We're, we're not falling for that. So yeah, he's still uh, still in prison. Awaiting his uh, court date. But they said, hey, if he is found guilty, it's pretty much he's going to probably get the death sentence. I imagine so. Killed his friend.
0: Didn't he hit him with a stick or something as he was running away? His friend was trying to get... I kind of remember something about his friend like tried to run away and Larry ran after him with a stick. Tried to hit him with a
1: stick or something. His story is a little weird on how he actually killed him. Because he said that like they fought for an hour. He strangled him. And then that was it. Fought for an hour? An hour. That's a long time to fight somebody. Yeah. And then when he went to his relative's house and told them what happened, he fought him for an hour, strangled him, drowned him. And the relative even said, for some reason, Larry even spoke about firing off two shots at him. So it's like, this guy, honestly, kind of does sound kind of insane. Yeah. But I still haven't seen anything. I'm guessing they're keeping it all hush hush about the autopsy and everything of his friend. Maybe his friend did get attacked by Bigfoot. No, I'm just kidding. He summoned Bigfoot and uh, Bigfoot turned on him. Yeah. Don't you throw that shade on him. He's running for president. Yeah, 2024.
0: (laughs) This is all part of the collusion to try to get Bigfoot out
1: of the race. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like, I remember reading up on this before and we talked about it, but then they had the update and literally it's still just being dragged out.
0: Damn. Well, maybe we'll have a conclusion before the end of 2024. Shoot, I highly doubt they Doesn't even seem like they're anywhere close to having a court date for them. It's the court system, baby. It's slow. It is. All right. Well, thank you for that article, Dan. Yeah, you're welcome. I guess let's get on to the next strange news story, which is about a mysterious, powerful, high-energy particle falling to Earth. Now, before we get into this story, I first need to give you a quick rundown of what cosmic rays are. And I know that might seem boring, but I summed it up as short as I could, okay? So cosmic rays are highly energetic streams of subatomic particles that travel through the universe. Imagine it as like a little, little, little bitty speck, okay? Can't even see it. And it's going through the universe. High freaking speeds. It's going, baby, and it ain't stopping. Now these rays, these cosmic rays, a.k.a. the little subatomic particles. They're traveling fast. How fast? Well, they're going at almost the speed of light. So these cosmic rays are made up of about 89% protons, which is, you know, hydrogen nuclei, 10% helium nuclei, and the remaining 1% is made up of heavier nuclei, including even uranium. So it's a mixture of everything. And you have these cosmic rays just traveling through space at incredible speeds, and they are all over the universe. Now, where do they come from? Well, they come from things such as like supernovas happening. So it's pretty much the energy of that explosion. It's shooting off these subatomic particles at incredible speeds. Now, like I said, these rays, these cosmic rays, aka subatomic particles, they're all over the universe, and they're happening all the time. Due to this, they are constantly colliding with atoms in our Earth's upper atmosphere. These cosmic rays are striking every square centimeter on Earth every minute. You can hold your hand out, and they'll go right through your hand. But they're so small,
1: you don't even feel them. Damn. Imagine that. That means I have, like, tons of, like, little open wounds on my hands?
0: (laughs) At subatomic levels, I mean, we're all just stardust. Anyway, it's important to note that not all cosmic rays are the same energy. Some are very, very high energy particles, while others are not. So scientists over the years have developed machines to measure the energy of these particles. With this information, they can actually track the source of where these cosmic rays came from. Now, throughout the history of tracking these cosmic rays, the energy levels of them would rarely reach anything higher than one EEV, which one EEV is about a million times more than the energy generated by the most powerful particle accelerators made by humans. Jeez. Yeah. So they would rarely reach anything higher than that. However, Back in 1991, the highest energy cosmic ray ever was detected. It was dubbed the Oh My God particle. <laughs> it's, oh my God. Oh my God. So this particle was measured having 320 EEV. So it was massive, okay? And scientists were absolutely baffled. Theoretically, Nothing in our galaxy had the power to produce that much energy. Nothing. So for the next 30 years, no other cosmic ray has even come close to that amount of energy that the oh my god particle created.
1: Until now. Now, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. This is our last one, so don't go nowhere. All right, welcome back. And this is
0: what our strange news topic is about. So on May 27th, 2021, the telescope array in Utah detected a cosmic ray measuring 244 EEV. Initially, the scientists working there thought the device was malfunctioning. They were looking at it and they are like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? But after they checked it out, they were like, hey, it's working correctly. And that indeed is a big-ass high-energy cosmic ray that just smacked into the Earth's atmosphere. Now, to give you an idea of how much energy that single subatomic particle contained, I want you to imagine standing up, holding a brick at your waistline. Now, drop that bitch right on your toe. That subatomic particle contained that same amount of energy. Ow. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So, this news was shared with researchers all around the world, and for the past two years, they have been trying to find the source of this cosmic ray. Finally, a few days ago, they decided to release their findings and make an announcement. The researchers stated that the particle detected in 2021 had been named the Amaterasu particle, which, by the way, Amaterasu is a sun goddess. It's like a deity in Japan in their early literary texts and is said to be like instrumental in the creation of Japan. So, Just a little knowledge nugget for
1: you. Ooh.
0: Anyway, so back to what the researchers were saying. So they stated that the 1991 Oh My God particle and this new one appeared randomly. They were able to track the particles back And there appears to be nothing high energy enough in that area to produce such particles. This new particle seemed to originate from what's known as the local void, which is an empty area of space bordering the Milky Way galaxy. So, pretty much, they don't know what created these particles, and theoretically, these particles shouldn't even exist because supposedly there isn't anything out there. That could create them. Now, another thing worth mentioning is that the University of Utah did say that, hey, we're building uh, 500 new detectors, so it'll allow us to capture more cosmic ray particle showers and help us study the origins of them. But yeah, particles coming from nowhere.
1: They have no idea what this thing came from.
0: No, they said theoretically it shouldn't even exist. Well then. Yeah. Something's out there. Simulation is malfunctioning. Right. All right. So that was my second article. What do you got for us for your
1: third article, Dan? All right. So this next strange news article that I found happened in Colorado just last month in October. Now, Aaron, have you heard of a green and natural type of funeral home? Isn't that where they bury people underground or like bury them with a tree or make a tree out of them? They naturally bury them. No embalming, no metal casket, wooden casket, or anything like that. Just body straight in the ground. I've heard of it before, yeah. Honestly, I didn't think they still did that, but supposedly they do, especially in Colorado. Now, this practice is, of course, legal in the state of Colorado, but the law requires the bodies that are not being embalmed to be stored in a temperature-controlled area within 24 hours of death. So pretty
0: much someone dies, this green funeral home has to keep their body at a constant temperature And then they get naturally buried, like no embalming fluids,
1: no nothing. No nothing done to the body, just straight up. They get it within 24 hours. They have to pretty much refrigerate the body to keep it. Well, damn, couldn't you just have a relative just go sticky in the backyard somewhere? That's what I was thinking. That's pretty much what they do. But (laughs) this funeral home also does the other cremation as well. Okay. But I don't think they do it themselves. They send the body off to another place to have that done.
0: Oh, so they're like a middle person.
1: Yeah. Well, sadly, in Colorado, there is a funeral home called the Return to Nature. And it seems like they did not handle the remains of, I want to say many, but it's many, 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 many bodies they had in their possession. Oh, God. So this article focused on the investigation centered on a building owned by the Return to Nature Funeral Home. Now, local residents of Penrose, Colorado, which is where the funeral home is located, kept reporting a smelling of foul stench coming from the building as they passed by. My God. So on October 3rd, the deputies were called to the building in Penrose. They nod, tried to see if nobody was there. Nobody was there. So they had to return the next day with a search warrant. And that is when they found the improperly stored remains, which... At first, they believed it was only 115. And I say only 115, but that's 115 decomposing bodies inside of this building. Oh, my God. But as the investigation went on and as they were removing the bodies, sending them somewhere else to, you know, be identified, counted, it totaled up to about 189 bodies.
0: 189 bodies total? Total. How the hell does a funeral home start collecting bodies and just, huh? Eh, we're just going to bury these 189 bodies later. Not a big deal. How does that happen? Well, sad part is some of those bodies were supposed to be cremated. Oh, God. It Don't tell me that the ashes were given to the family. Ah, uh, Well, we'll just save that for here in a little bit. Okay. Yeah.
1: So like you asked, how the hell does it get to this point? How bodies get stored up into this building and honestly, no one... Checked in on it, no regulators of the state. Just like, you know, they just let it go, go on. Well, looking into it, it started when the return to nature of funeral home owners did not pay their taxes. So they ended up getting evicted from one of their properties, AKA the Penrose building. After that, they ended up getting sued for all the unpaid bills from the crematorium that they used to cremate the bodies. They stopped doing business with them about a year ago. And about a year ago is when they actually lost their registration. It expired. After their registration expired, the crematorium stopped doing business with them. They were still receiving bodies. Oh my God. The landlord of the place didn't kick them out right away. The owners of the funeral home said that they were still receiving bodies to cremate because of the COVID pandemic. Oh, they used that tactic, huh? Yep. And that FEMA, it was like during the FEMA thing that they were getting bodies to cremate and all that. So they couldn't just up and leave. Mm. But yes, after hearing that, some of the newspapers, media and all that tried to contact FEMA and ask them about this. They wouldn't make a comment on it. So they kind of just ignored all those requests on information about that. So that expired registration that they had allowed the funeral home to operate in the small town of Penrose it wasn't until 10 months after it had expired did the state regulators even try to contact the owners. So when they finally did get a hold of the owners, John and Carrie Halford, John admitted that he did have a problem at the funeral home, but he claimed that he practiced taxidermy. So...
0: Oh, so that's where the smell's coming that's from? That's where the smell's
1: coming from. It's no big deal. Oh, my God. But no, I know where people are probably thinking now, he did not practice taxidermy on the bodies. <laughs> oh my God. That was not the case here, but that was his cover-up story because I guess it was the fact that he didn't want them to know that they were improperly storing bodies, mm-hmm. which I did find out that one person that went through them for one of their family remains, they asked for cash up front because the person had Medicaid, mm-hmm. and usually Medicaid will cover all that. They said, hey, pay us some cash up front, and then later on Medicaid would reimburse you. Oh, God. So that was kind of a red flag, but they still went through with it. So it seems kind of sketchy there. Mm -hmm. Now, officials went on to say that it was unclear, though, whether a crime had been committed for storing the bodies there. Because one, they lost their registration, they were evicted. So I guess by the time they actually got there, they were no longer in the building operating it. So no arrests or charges were made. And I'm just like, how the hell It's because of the lax funeral home regulations in Colorado. They don't do annual inspections at all. The only time Colorado will do an inspection on like a funeral home is if they get like a complaint or something on it. So if there was like no complaint against that funeral home, they would never go out there. So if the fact that people started complaining about a smell, that's the only reason why they actually went out there. Wow. And it was also heard that They were just like, we could just go out there and randomly check on these funeral homes. But we don't have the funding for that to do extra inspections. God. So, yeah, they end up not doing any extra inspections. They don't do any annual inspections. So pretty much this kept going on for almost like a year now before they actually found 189 decomposing bodies. And, of course, people were just like, is my relative in that, you know, pile of bodies. I wouldn't even call it bodies anymore. Probably like goop. Yeah. So that's when I found out that the FBI had to get involved and it's the same group that they use for airplane crashes to identify bodies and such. Oh, that must be a horrible job. Yeah. So they've taken all the bodies they're going through. They're trying to help identify the remains so they can actually let the families know, you know, what's happened to their deceased relative family member. Jesus. But yeah, from reading up on it, there's been no charges, nothing. Nothing's going on. They're just just like, well, we just got to sort it out now.
0: So, sort the bodies out? Yeah, that's... God. No charges, nothing. Nothing. That's ridiculous.
1: And one of the ladies that, you know, paid for her family member to be cremated, she received ashes, like, within a, not even a year ago. Are these actually their ashes, their remains, or not? Yeah, did you just Cook something up in an oven and then send it to me? That's what they're starting to think. Damn.
0: But yet, no charges, no rest or nothing. If I was a family member and that was
1: one of my relatives, man, I'd be, hmm. I don't know. The only thing that throws me off, though, is for a whole year, people's like still delivering bodies there? They had to have been. No, they don't just deliver. The funeral home has to go and get the body. hmm And then they drive it back and I guess they just, all right, let's throw this one in the corner so f***ed up
0: like how, how can you how can there not be any charges or arrests happening over that they must be building a case first i don't know how you i mean look the evidence is right there yeah i mean that's has to be some type of ne- like negligence or whatever this seems to be very common in the body farming industry we've talked about it on multiple other episodes about how these individuals buy a warehouse and they talk to these funeral homes that talk to people who've just had a relative pass away and say, hey, you need to donate your body to this science program. But It's not really a science program. It's a for-profit organization that takes your relative's body, cuts it up and sells it to either like a medical research or they deep freeze it and sell like the head and stuff like that or they sell it to the United States Army and strap your granny to a bomb and blow it up. That happened. That's a fact. That really did happen. I laugh because that,
1: that shit is ridiculous. It is. Like I hate to laugh about it, but They need to have regulations on bodies. Yeah, and Colorado needs to get, like, better regulations on their funeral homes. Hell yeah. I mean, it's not just Colorado. There's a few states that are, like, that relaxed on their regulations. But if that shit happened to one of my family members, oh, I'd be going off the deep end. Throwing hands. Shit, more than that. Throwing hands and throwing kicks.
0: Feet. (laughs) All right, Dan. Well, thank you for that uh, news article. And I I wish I could say that it gets better. But my last strange news story is similar. Ooh, It's similar in a way of of it being a body. So around two weeks ago, on Friday, November 17th, the New York City Police Department got a call from an individual at Breezy Beach in Queens. This individual stated that, hey, I'm fishing near Silver Gulf Beach Club near Breezy Point on the Rockaway Peninsula. I think there's a dead body next to me. I'm not 100% sure. You probably should send somebody. So the police were like, okay. They drove to the location, and what the police discovered was an unidentified human torso. It had no head, no arms, but only two of its legs attached and it was wearing a pair of red Adidas swimming trunks. So the police started an investigation into the matter to try and identify who this individual was and what happened to them. Only a few days later, on November 20th, the police made an announcement. They stated that the headless, armless torso that washed up on the Queen's Beach last week Likely belonged to acclaimed Irish filmmaker and photographer, 44 year old Ross McDonnell. Now, the officials also stated that Ross was last seen leaving his Brooklyn home more than two weeks ago, that they contacted some of his friends who were able to identify that the torso was actually his through distinctive birthmarks. Now, the police went on to say that what happened to Ross is that on November 4th, he likely went for a late night, what they call wild swimming at around 10.30 p.m. Officials then stated that Ross likely vanished under the waves that night. Also, the reason that his head and arms were both gone is because the waves and the surf that night was very rough. The police chief went on record stating, and I quote, The way it was described to me was the churning of a washing machine. The body going back and forth and hitting the rocks could have caused the limbs and the head just to be ripped right off. Officials also stated that they don't suspect foul play, but they are trying to get access to the Marine Park video camera feed to see what actually occurred that night. But they are having issues locating that video, and that is the latest update on that situation. So basically, they found a headless, armless torso with just legs. They looked into it and said, "Hey, it's this famous filmmaker. He jumped and went swimming. He was tossed around in the water, lost his head in his arms, and uh, it was an accident." Mm. My thing is, out of everything to lose. You would think it would be the arms and the legs and the head would stay on with the torso, not the
1: arms and the head. Yeah, I think the legs would be one of the things definitely to go considering, I don't know. They stick out the farthest. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you just rip those babies right off. At least I imagine the head seems like it'd be a lot harder, kind of like a bowling ball attached to a bigger bowling ball and it would just roll around. So
1: three days ago, his family verified that it was him. Yep. He's a filmmaker. So what kind of movies did he make? Oh, I don't know. Because at first, I want to say, like, I was thinking maybe, you know, someone did go for wild swimming. (laughs) And considering the arms and the head's gone, maybe. It went a little too wild. A little too (laughs) wild. Yeah. Sorry. No, like, I was thinking, like, shark or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So that's
0: my last strange news article. I just thought it was really weird. I had someone send it to me on Instagram, and then I had an additional person send it to me, and then another person, and then another person. And I said, okay, I got to look into this. This is odd. And it is how the police say, hey, there's no foul play, but arms and his head's missing. I don't get it. I think the legs would be missing too, but whatever. If you are a loved one, I've had someone pass away from wild swimming and you just found their torso, send us an
1: email and explain to us how that happens. We don't want pictures, though. And the fact that his Adidas swimming trunk stayed on. Yeah. Through this turning of like a washing machine. I want a pair of those. Those things must have been tied on tight. Oh, nice.
0: So that is pretty much all of our strange news articles. But before we roll this episode out, we do have an update that we want to talk about. It is an MH370 update. So as you all may know, two weeks ago, on Thursday, November 16th, we published an episode about the MH370 Orb videos. Well, that following Friday, after we posted that episode, on November 24th, the hacker group Anonymous ended up posting a video on YouTube talking about the MH370 Orb videos. The following day, Kim.com went on Twitter. If you don't know who he is, he's a famous hacker from back in the day who owned the website Mega Upload. Oh, that that Yeah. Anyway, he was on Twitter or X, whatever you call it, and he shared a post of the videos with the following. He said, and we quote,
1: I'm here with offering a reward of $100,000 to anyone who can provide the original videos without the orbs. I want to see real evidence that debunks your research on the two videos. I watched every single debunked video and they are all insulting to anyone with half a brain. Everyone who has attempted to debunk the videos has failed because the physics in the two videos match perfectly from both the satellite and the drone angle. I want you to be wrong. I want this to be a fake. I don't want the criminal, ward mongering and constantly lying US government to have this technology. That would be terrible news for humanity. My focus is solely on the videos and not the theories about why and how this happened to MH370. To anybody who claims that these videos are fake, please provide the original videos without the orbs and I will pay you $100,000.
0: End quote. So that's what Kim.com offered, $100,000 to anyone who can provide the original video without the orbs. You know what? No one was talking about these videos before we posted the freaking episode on November 16th. A little over a week after that, Anonymous posted a video about it. Now it's blown up. Damn. Ahead of the game. Trying to be. So yeah, if anybody has that uh, original video that shows it to be fake, send it to us and then we'll send it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, send it to us. We'll verify it, okay? Send it over to Kim.com and you got $100,000 waiting for you. Which, by the way, I did hear that he increased it to, I think, either like one hundred and forty dollars or $150,000 now. That means no one's provided any nothing. Mm. So that's the update on MH370 and pretty much the end of today's episode, which is strange news. I hope everyone enjoyed it, and I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving break and that you ate a lot of turkey and ham and everything. Well. With that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. With that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's
1: okay to be out of this world with your thoughts.
0: Because you are not alone. Boom. Boom.